As a listener of the Shift Your Consciousness podcast presented by Marcus White and Jordan Briggs, we would like you to understand that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Any changes to your supplementation, nutrition or lifestyle should only be done after consulting with a medical professional. Welcome to the Shift Your Consciousness podcast. My name is Marcus White. And my name is Jordan Briggs. We help people overcome a range of chronic and acute health issues and empower people to live a healthy, fulfilling life. Our mission in this podcast is to bring oppressed and current relevant information from all realms of health that you most likely don't know to empower new possibilities in your health journey. We want to help free your mind of the indoctrination of the mainstream medical system, media and societal dogma that disempowers your ability to heal, grow and live a connected life. If you're someone who is feeling trapped in your journey, not getting answers, but also equally fascinated in learning how to address the root cause to your health issues and is also open-minded to all mediums of health, this podcast is for you. So come join us to shift your consciousness. All right, we are back again. Back again. For another podcast. Another podcast to shift your pod. Oh, shift your podcast, shift your consciousness. <laughs> We're on least, a roll. At least my brain's working. Okay. This is our second go at this. So um, today we have Nick Perry with us, who is a holistic lifestyle coach. Um, he's a very passionate men's work coach as well. And also, if you look at his Instagram, he's a passionate father, which I'm excited to talk to him about today. Um, we're going to go into different depths um, in different topics, and I'm really excited to have you on here, Nick. Welcome. Same. Genuinely excited. Felt yeah. actual anticipation leading up to today to hang with you guys. So thanks so much for bringing me in. Man, your energy when we uh, – oh, because this is the first time I'm meeting Nick. Jordan's met Nick before, but your energy walking in, I was like, far out, this is going to be good. And yeah. I feel like the jam is going to be awesome. One of here. us, one of us, <laughs> one of us. Yeah. So I'm super, super excited for this one. But, um, mate, we always go into people's backgrounds when we first get here because I think the story is unique and it always relates to someone who's listening. They're like, far out, I've, I've, had, a diff- I've had a similar pathway to this guy. So love to know how you got – to where you are now and, you know, what are the things that have driven you? Cool. Yes. Yes. This story. I, when I get asked this question, I, I wonder, like, where, which point in the timeline should I begin? So. Wherever you think, to be honest, whatever, like, don't be, don't be afraid well, because it'll. My father was courting my mother. This was uh, in the <laughs> 80s. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where it all started. No, um. Uh, look, honestly, the, the, the biggest, you know, you guys, you guys explore consciousness and expanding consciousness and, and that's an epic, uh, like, focal point and theme and, and it's, you know, multidimensional and, and vast and cosmic by nature. So when I think about what was the catalyst for my own... Uh, pursuit like when did i from my sovereignty go okay i need to figure out some answers here for myself because the indoctrination that i've passed through hasn't given me what i need to handle life Mm -hmm. i I realized that when my dad got really sick well uh 2009 um, and he had multiple brain aneurysms and he was in hospital for, for months. And uh, I was like a few years out of school, like a couple years out of school, and I was actually on a – I was pursuing a professional bodyboarding career at the time and I was on this photo trip um, up the coast with, you know, a bunch of cool guys and, you know, anyway, got the call, dad's in hospital, come home. I was like, fuck. And, that, and so that's where it all began. That's where the, the, the chaos and the, um, the disillusionment kind of became clearer to me that, yeah, what I, I didn't have what, it, what I needed. I didn't have what it took to handle the situation, particularly as a support for the people that I loved, namely my mum, who was holding it down while Dad was in hospital. And we'd get calls from the surgeons because it's a legal requirement anytime they had to go and, you know, f- you know, fuck with his brain. 
they'd have to ring us and then give us a percentage of likelihood of his survival. It's just protocol. So we'd just get these calls randomly here and there, and it was just the phone would ring. I think it was in the it was in the home phone days. Still. <laughs> calls yeah. on the yeah, phone, yeah, or yeah. Uh, no, 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 radiation. We, we were copping the radiation by that stage. Yeah. That big aerial cumbersome thing. Anyway, um, and I just remember there's one particular call that happened, and Mum, it was just all too much in that moment. Yeah, and she held me, and I was like just clueless and I was angry at myself. I was like, I don't know what to say right now. I don't really know what to do and blah. So that was, that was, that planted the seed, that plant, that, that was the, that was like the slap in the face that started to wake me up and, and activate self-inquiry. And it was still a very immature, I was still in a very immature place, right? But it was the start. And so once all of that fucking resolved and there were you know plenty of hiccups along the way at the end of that year i made the decision to pack everything up and leave and i moved to western australia i was living in sydney yeah left my beloved girlfriend at the time um just left it all behind and was like you know called an adventure hero's journey i was like i need to i need to figure out something i couldn't even formulate what the inquiry or the question was anyway so i went over there um and you know chasing waves and scraping by with you know shit kicker jobs and and you know having a a real adventure of it um and somehow the power now fell into my lap Mm. and i was like eckhart tolle yeah Yeah. i was like oh (laughs) Oh, this makes me feel like good in my body. What what is this? You know, so it was my first exposure to spirituality outside Catholicism. Yeah. Which, you know, we grew up going to church, Catholic church, and I swear like none of us were really into it. I don't even know why, but I was the same. Yeah, folks were like, Oh, you know, we wanted you to have something. I'm like, Yeah, well that one though. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was my first it was my first taste of like spirituality and it was this whole different take on it and it felt amazing in my body and then however long later it wouldn't have been much longer maybe six weeks later anthony DeMello audio files fell into my lap so if you haven't heard of anthony DeMello, no. he is in my top three spiritual teachers for sure wow yeah yeah um and he spoke about love and he broke my perceptions of love and it was super confronting um and 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 i i still listen it's on my phone i still listen to the same lecture over and over and over again and so that's like 15 years wow wow yeah and i'm still just like you know i'll look up his stuff and read his books and stuff too but so there was this empowerment that happened over there in in wa at at the spiritual level while at the same time i was living a wildly debaucherous lifestyle um and doing the the things you know 21 22 year olds often do yeah (laughs) yeah just run amok yeah um Anyway, it got to the point where, you know, I could get into so many different details, but I think the next, the next lily pad that I stepped across was this sojourn across Australia that I took by myself uh, in a four-wheel drive. Um, and that was after I made a decision that I was going to pursue uh, mentorship with a, with a woman that I didn't know, but I knew people that had been mentored and trained by her. And I saw the the empowerment that they embodied and I wanted that. And I was like, well, that's how I get it. So I made the decision, that's what's next for my life. So after three years in West Oz, I drove across solo. That was epic. That was the whole driving into the abyss, into the, you know, I had, I'd just done 10 months in the Pilbara or 12 months in the Pilbara. So I was fucking cashed up. Um, I had nowhere to be. I had no one to answer to. Um, I, you know, had no timeline, no deadline. I was, it was, I've never, I didn't realize I was like, 
that'll never happen again. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad it happened once. Yeah. Um, just me, just me in the outback. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to reflect on. It is. Yeah. It is. Like what a freaking blessing that was. Anyway, got to the East Coast, relocated myself, you know, dropped into Sydney for about three weeks, then relocated myself to Northern Rivers Yeah, with the intention to be taken on as a trainee by this woman, Jan Carton, by the way, shout out. That's who I'm talking about. I think I've seen her on your Instagram. Did you share her recently? Yeah, recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Still hadn't met her. Didn't even know if she was running a traineeship that year. Had no idea if I would, would be an applicant that she would take on, but I was like, also, I'll do whatever the fuck it takes. So got a rental, living in Baba, drive up to the Gold Coast, like meet her, it all falls into place. And my first official mentoring, mentorship journey begun mm-hmm. with uh, four other amazing people in the, in the crew. So that, that's, a, that's a significant lily pad because that working with her, that was where I started to go deeper into spirituality, but more so I started to really explore my emotional shit. Um, my, my father wound in particular was a massive vehicle of growth that she introduced me to and facilitated a lot of healing around that, and that continued on for like eight years. Um, and he died last year. Um, and I can say with a completely clear, open channel that the place that we were in our relationship for about eight months leading into his death was just, it's like our karma was resolved. It's amazing. You know? And there was so much pain mm. most of the, the life and disconnect and blah. And I just sort of very consistently worked on that father wound and, you know, got to the realisation that he's right <laughs> and I'm right. You know, the, the, the simplicity, the, 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 the place where unity, consciousness can be occupied of, um, you know, answering the question, would you rather be right or would you rather be in love? Right, you, you've got to pick one, and I was like, "Oh, love!" So, what is love in action? It's like radical acceptance of me, of him, of our history, the dynamic that we have. So, anyway, that's a bit of a digression. But this, this was, you know, these are milestones, and that, that was the early stages of that healing journey. And fuck me, I went to literally all corners of the world working on that father wound, and you know, I'm here, I'm there, I'm in India, bawling my eyes butt naked in front of 50 people that I've never met before. Like, like literally like crazy shit yeah. in, in that healing journey. But Holy moly. So anyway, like there's, you know, this just to kind of bring it back on track to your question, it's, it's, it's that there, there have been numerous mentors and teachers and, and setbacks and rites of passages and tragedies and um, uh, fortune that have come and gone, the thing I can probably mention here is that's noteworthy is just my trajectory or or my, like, let's call it showing up to the process and to the work with that intent of, like, growth, expansion, healing has just been absolutely relentless since since it began. and so now what trips me out because this butts up against of a deep hidden belief of unworthiness that I hold against myself is I still struggle to, to be okay with the fact that I've had these mentors who are, uh, and I've had these initiations and I've had these, um, I've had this support. I've had these people who are in mastery of of their craft and their facilitation skills that my path has crossed with theirs and they've been a part of my journey. And what we have worked through together worked. So, like, I've changed. Um, I have integrated a bunch of shit. Um, I feel 
empowered and optimistic and I, I can really identify most of the time as, as the creator, as the master of my reality. And it's like, damn, mm-hmm. it, this stuff works. So that's really the driving passion in my work now is I'm like, I genuinely want this for you. Mm-hmm. I genuinely want this for you. And the part of you that rejects it and has stories of like not me and not yet and you know unworthy or whatever it is. I'm like, that's part of it. So bring that in. Yeah. Um, Cause I want this for you. I want you to, if you want it to, to have your sovereignty. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, look, the way, the way I sort of read that is like your journey has been about um, always bettering yourself and then sort of clicking that moment where it's like, hang on a second, everything that I've put together to help myself, it, it works. And if I can put this together and bring this to the rest of the world, I'm going to make a, that massive ripple effect and change, change lives around me because you've changed yourself. Totally. Mm. And there's this sense of responsibility. Yeah. To, to, to pay it forward mm. in a, in a, you know, in a healthy way where there's like a healthy reciprocity where I'm not going to like prostitute my energy or, you know, yeah. it's not going to go into that savior white night place. Yeah. Like, let's fucking do this. Are you ready? Let's go. Um, and since becoming a dad, I'm like, again, the, the incentive to bring this to people, um, is like has scarily changed where it's like, yeah, it would be great to help the consciousness of humanity expand and open and unify. That That's cool. That's nice. Let's do an ecstatic dance and, you know, like drink cacao and, and have a good time. And now that I've got kids, I'm like, I'm fucking doing this. Like, <laughs> like fuck off with your cacao. Like, what, you know, we've got work to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we need to bring that through in an authentic way. And, and so there's this like, m- like genuine sense of mission in the work now where I'm like, this world, fucking wherever this comes from, but this world to me isn't safe enough for my kids. So I have to be the guy that does whatever needs to happen. Mm, it's like you've swallowed the red pill. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's um, the one thing that I got from that as well is like with mentorship, like it's been one of the most pivotal things in my life. And I think a lot of people are sometimes scared to take that first leap to leveling up in their life or to learn more about their self or to go into the abyss of their pain and their suffering and, um, you know, obviously there can be resistances and shadows and different things that play out with that, but it's been one of the best things that I've ever done is, is invest in myself. You know, every time it's, I've um, had that inspiration to do so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's never kind of let me down. Like there's always something that, that beautiful that unfolds. It's like you, you said that kind of term before, like a lily pad. Yeah. There's always that lily pad to that next point in your life. And, um, yeah, I kind of just trust when, the, when there's a calling to now just do it. Yeah, you know, and um, where I think some people, um, well, I know where I when I first started, there there were those callings, but I was like, oh, money or yeah, oh, like what's that person going to think of me though? Or yeah, like, right yeah, on. you know what I mean? So like, yeah. so and you know, so for some of our listeners, this might help if I if there's a bit of resistance there, but something's calling you. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, I was chatting about this last night. It's part of what you're sharing there, the piece around having attunement and sensitivity to the calling, to the different signals that this, um, yeah, calling is just, it's the word. It's there's something that's like pointing you in the direction that will serve your highest. Mm. Um, and I so relate in like avoiding, ignoring, bypassing that calling so, so much. And I remember, you know, with my, first mentor, I would avoid the fuck out of her. I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to go see Kiki. I'm definitely not going to tell her about that because, you know, CBF. Like, mm. um, Also, maybe it's uncomfortable too. Like, 100%. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't want the mirror held up to me today. Go <laughs> away. Yeah. No Leave yeah. me alone. Exactly. But the experience that, that accrues in seeing, like you say, like show up, best in yourself, do the thing, um, sit in the fire, um, it, 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 it's like anything, the more you do it, 
the better at it you get. And so mm-hmm. now what I have like progressed to with like the mentors that I have now is when I feel the signal, right, or I hit the blockage, it's like boom, straight to them, right, straight into the discomfort mm-hmm. because that's my liberation every mm. time and that's. I totally relate to that. It's the yeah. polarity, isn't it? I don't think there can be any sort of pain and discomfort without any sort of growth or inspiration or joyous things that come out of it, you know. like it's, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I just see that's where living is. Like yeah, in, right. it brings everything, brings up all the emotions, brings up all the challenges and that's like living is just like obviously there are comfortable parts of life but the real growth happens in those un- those uncertain moments, you know what I mean? And now I'm like, I feel like you, like I feel the same. I'm like when they come up and you've said the same thing, it's like, ooh, do I really want to go there? I'm like, well, if I feel like that, that's where I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 One thing I want to um, – there's a few things that I wanted to divulge in your story because things popped up that were really good. The first one was about love. And I want to go a little bit further into that and why that was a a big thing that um, really, uh, I suppose, spoke to you, that message or what was it that you read about it? Um, yeah. Can we yeah. What were, the, what were your lessons of that? I was yeah. going to ask you that too. Okay. So I'm going to paraphrase a micro-meditation of Anthony DeMello. So okay. I want you both to close your eyes and anybody listening. All right. And I want you to think about somebody very important to you in your life that you love dearly. And imagine looking at them and saying, I'd rather be happy than have you. And just notice what you run into or what that comes up, what you butt up against. And that's literally the end of the micro meditation, right? And I remember hearing that and, you know, like I said, I paraphrased it and I was like, what what it challenged me in and I found that challenge scary was the notion that love is based on self-sacrifice. Um, and so that was part of the Catholic indoctrination that I had, like that basically um, if I wasn't giving myself away, which could be perceived now as abandoning myself, mm. then then love doesn't exist in my in my field, in my life. So mm. what he, among many other things, as far as love goes, exposed me to was the idea of, again, for lack of a better description, um, sacred selfishness is kind of the idea. It's like, can you be totally in devotion to yourself first and foremost, right? Can you be so brutally honest with yourself first and foremost, and then can you develop whatever you need to develop to then show up in the world that way, like truly authentic, truly transparent, like truly loving, like truly loving, not operating out of fear, masquerading as love. Um, so that was one of the many things. And, and, you know, he talks a lot about like waking up and the whole idea that the first step to waking up is acknowledging you don't want to wake up. And that really resonated with me. There's all this, you know, com- often there's the the words, the rhetoric of like, yes, I want to wake up and I want to be conscious. And it's like, do you actually though? Do you know what that means? Do you know what that takes? Do you know what that means for your identity and, ev- and the worldview that you hold currently? It's if you wake up, that all goes, that all dies off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what I, what I get from this, like, is I guess like the way we're kind of parented or even schooled or even the way you're taught even in, in religion is that if you're not meeting up to an, to an external standard of what they want you to be, well, then obviously we then 
um, obviously we're then kind of guilted or feared mm-hmm. into love, like mm-hmm. into how we need to be for them. And what I hear in this is like you're kind of returning home. Yeah. Fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're coming back to yourself. Yeah. That leveraging tool of guilt doesn't work on you anymore. Yeah. And that's why I like, and I've said this before, like I feel people, and it's funny you went on that exploration over to Western Australia by yourself, even though you're like very young, people need that time to really dive into themselves and their own consciousness for them to be actually able to love someone. Because if you like, you don't love yourself, the relationship it brings in, like you bring in a lot of your own insecurities and a lot of your lack of understanding for yourself into that relationship, and it just becomes a bit of a like a bit of a whirlwind, and you sort of see these chaotic relationships. And then I, I feel like I went through a point in my life where I, I felt like I was I was sleeping around with a lot of women, and like I wasn't satisfied with what I was doing, and I was like, you know what? fuck this. I hated who I was hanging out with. I was going out and I was just like, who are these people I'm hanging out with? I have no connection to them whatsoever. I was like, fuck this. I'm growing a beard. I don't want to see the rest of the world for the next six months. And then I I just worked. I just worked on myself, read books, really just tried to tap into myself and understand what makes me tick. And after that six months of when I met my wife, Ah, <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and, and like my clarity when I went into that relationship and like the lack of insecurity, I just knew the direction I was going. I knew the direction. I, and I, I said this to Geordie earlier on. Mm. We were just talking about um, like the darkness that we have as men sometimes and the light. And, you know, it's, you know, we we're just sort of saying, like, I said to my wife, this, I just want to go into this relationship knowing you are going to be attracted to another man. This is just an example, like, about, like I was strong with. You're going to be attracted to another man in our next 40 years together. I'm going to be attracted to another woman. Okay, I don't expect you to be some sort of angel. You know what I mean? And um, I, like, I don't want to. I don't want to be able to not be able to tell the truth to each other and that sort of thing. So, and I, I just feel like the old me would have been insecure with her being, you know, attracted to another man or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm. So we were, we were sort of just um, divulging that and just saying like how it's um, it's okay to have those dark sides and those light sides and be okay with them. And that's what sort of I think makes a healthy relationship. Yeah, part of what makes our relationship oh, absolutely when you can be authentic and honest and open about it and um and not feel like you got to hide anything because i think that that comes back to that like kind of um indoctrination piece or right? like being feared into like something you know you're going to be starved of love or you're going to be starved of acceptance or those things if you're not showing up in a, a way that i need to be for you yeah which which yeah which inevitably it's like what's what's the end of the road for that it's a mm. it's resentment Mm. Um, resentment resentment is the prerequisite for separation and 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 splitting up and Mm. um i love totally love what this piece that we're sort of sitting on here and chatting about is because the belief i've always taken into relationships is that when i'm in a relationship i can no longer be myself Mm. and that was like a really unconscious thing and so that whole feeling of relationships smothering and shackling and um, not fun, it's like that's just me. That, that's nothing to do with relationships. That's what I bring to relationships. Yeah. And, and coming from that place, that inauthentic place, one, the, the inner rejection I then project onto my partner and so i paint her out you know her to be the perpetrator the oppressor <laughs> of me yeah right yeah. and you're victimizing me actually no that's just that's just my shit and you're copping it <laughs> and then uh the other thing is the ownership or the recognition that that turns me into a very manipulative person <laughs> and that's Again, that totally isn't conducive to enjoying being in a relationship. So what you described with just like naming it, you're going to be attracted to other blokes. I'm going to be attracted to other women because we're fucking animals. (laughs) We're sexual beings. We don't need to, you know, I don't need to tie a knot in my cock and pretend like it's not going to be activated by whatever manifestation that, that activates me is. Yeah. So with naming that and allowing that and honoring that, I feel free in the relationship mm. and I, I feel so 
much more devotional to you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, because yeah. like if you start with dishonesty, like, and, and that's being like when you try and um, numb that sort of feeling or, or you, you try and put it into the shadows, you're already starting with dishonesty. <laughs> So <laughs> what else are you going to start lying about in your relationship? Oh, you know what I mean? That's the trajectory. And, right. and that's I, the myth. Exactly. And I feel yeah. in my relationship, <laughs> obviously I'm, I'm, I'm talking for Belle as well, is it's totally transparent. I don't think there's any, any fucking lies or anything unhidden because we start that way. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm just sitting here and going, wow, it's like it's summing up some challenges I've had in relationship in the past and, yeah. and um, being a people pleaser. Yeah. 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 Massive people pleaser because that fear of abandonment. Yeah. And, um, and I had not wanting to do the wrong, do, not doing, you know, not wanting to do the wrong thing or, or wanting that person to, you know, um, not wanting to upset that person. Um, so, you know, I think people pleasing is, is really the disconnection from what inauthenticity is. What it is. Like if you, if, if you're th- in your authenticity and you're just being nothing more than yourself and you're able to, you know, air out all those shadows or, or not even shadows, just being a human, um, without guilt or shame. Um, I think naturally we, uh, we become disconnected if we, if we are in that kind of people pleasing place. So yeah, yeah, it's something that I've definitely, um, Definitely, uh, had, yeah, doing a lot of work on actually working through some of it still now. T- it, it takes work, like you think, mm. like Jordy, you're 29, I'm mm. 33, Nick's 35. I'm, a, I'm an elder on the couch, yeah, right yeah. <laughs> but like you know, it, um, it, it like it does take time, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, far out, I've got four years on you, um, and you've got two years on me, yeah. Nick, so I can't imagine where or how I'll be thinking in two years from now. You oh, know what you'll I mean? be so much wiser, <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. <laughs> 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 After this talk, I think I'll be so much wiser. Yeah, but that's it. That's a the, the people pleaser like archetype is is so fucking great to to bring up. You know, I'm not sure if you guys have checked out the book No More Mister Nice Guy by Robert yeah. Glover. Yeah, right? and you know, so the nice guy syndrome. And there's so many. You know, uh, in my men's circle, we had this like sort of joke going for ages where it was. We'd say, you know, hello, I'm Nick, and I'm a recovering nice guy. <laughs> we would do that yeah, now as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, and I really found it insightful. What he pointed out yeah. is that, like, that nice guy uh, persona masquerade facade is one dangerous because mm. it's super fucking manipulative. It's like I don't know who this guy actually is because he's just chameleoning to ensure that. I validate and like him, but who is he? Is he telling me the truth? Usually no. That's not how he actually feels. That's not his actual opinion that, you know, Mm. what is this person's convictions? Mm. What does he stand for? Who fucking actually knows? So, but what he also points out is typically the, the origin of that nice guy um, way of being is unworthiness. Mm. So unworthiness of having your needs met. Yeah, so I think one of the ways to, uh, like, evolve and integrate the nice guy is to, one, figure out what are my needs? Like, what are they actually? Like, really, really, what are they actually? Not like, oh, these are cool masculine needs. It's like, fuck all that. It's like, in your uniqueness, what do you need for this and this and this in this this context of life here, here and here and relationship here? And then go on ask to have those needs met and yeah. negotiate that if you have to. Could this be even like sexual desires? Exactly. That's, yeah. that's one of the most important places. Mm. That's where you got to get to. There's yeah. no bypassing that. Yeah. I've been doing some stuff on that with my um, coach, Jacob O'Neill, like, <laughs> and just going deep into like the sexual desires, which like, like rocked me. I was like, because like, because we we talk about this like thing between savage and um, sacred, and um, and you know where I've kind of been too in like the sacred feminine, yeah. the nice guy like pretending, <laughs> but there's actually this part of me that wants to emerge that I've rep- like repressing and squashing down. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's interesting when when you say that. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of shame on the savage in society. Yeah. So it's constant messaging of shutting down the savage. Yeah. Yeah. I think with men as well, like we're we're squashed with a lot of those things, aren't we? Like, I don't know, with this kind of 
um, feminism movement, which I know has some healthy aspects to it, but there's just like, men need to be this way or that's, you're disgusting or like. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of messaging and it's more than ever super convoluted and, yeah. and it's just very misguided as well. And, you know, the question has to be asked, is this coming from that unity consciousness that we talked about before? Is this coming from a fucking wound? Mm-hmm. Like creations from that level of consciousness can only perpetuate more wounding. So it's like, what's behind all of this? Like what's the, the, the deeper um, place or intent that these, you know, like cultural conditioning imprints are coming through. Mm. And then on the other fucking token, it's like, you're a man. Fucking grab your nuts <laughs> and fucking, you know, raw, speak your truth. Yeah. Like, like I think there's, but yeah, that's the other side of it is it's like, oh, well, no, because society did this and blah. It's like, so fucking what? Well, you're aware of it now. You're so fucking do it. something so, about so it. So what are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fucking totally true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that wild man archetype, ironically, is the most trustworthy part of a man, but it's portrayed as the predator. Yeah, right. It's it's mis- misinterpreted and misrepresented, and that, and that is like no, the suppression of that wild man creates the predator. So those desires come out in a sideways shadowy indirect way but if we can own the dark side the dark masculine Mm -hmm. and embody that unapologetically then whatever those needs desires wants conditions are like they come out in a super fucking transparent way where there is um reverence and respect for safety and consent and mm. stuff like that. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Love that. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm, I'm going off topic now because I'm going to keep coming. I don't want to forget the things that came up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing I wanted to go into a little bit was um, the stuff you did around the relationship with your father. Uh, if, if we could go into that a little bit. Um, there was one line you said, and I went through a little bit of work myself with this. With my parents, I had a lot of resentment. Yeah. Um, and I remember reading a book. It was called Life 101. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it. No. Uh, it's, I got actually Charles Poliquin. Do you, do you, you know yeah, Charles Poliquin? Yeah, Charles Poliquin, I heard him on a podcast say it was one of his books that he recommends. Oh, oh. Anyway, I read it and... At the time, I had a lot of anger, a lot of repressed anger, and there was a lot of it towards my mum and my dad for certain reasons. Um, and then, you know, he had a chapter on parents and just said around, your parents, one of the lines was, your parents were doing the best they could with what they have. Mm. That Just remember that. They were, you know, like, you know, and it was sort of just kept repeating that and I was like, yeah, I need to forgive. Like, mm. they, they were just doing the best with what they have and they still are just doing the best with what they have and I need mm. to... Um, come to peace and harmony with that. But so that's sort of the direction I wanted to go in and just see, like, you know, what was your um, work that you had to do with your dad? Yeah. If you, yeah. If you want to, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Could yeah, be yeah. personal. Let me just rip that. There was a multitude of like layers and levels um, to it, which was really interesting. And and it was all very kind of like confusing at at the start, like like identifying the the disconnect, identifying the resentment, um, then identifying the deeper like want. It's like I don't want power over my dad, although I came into this thinking that's what I did want. I just want connection with my dad. So just making those early realizations was and distinguishing the difference between like the superficial pain pursuit and then it's like, well, what is the little boy? What's the unmet needs of the little boy in me? Like what's what's this actually about? Um, and that was really important because until making contact with, the boy in me that was hurting until making contact with him, there was no way 
I could get him out of the driver's seat of my life. Right. Yeah. So that's, again, let me tie this into the father stuff, right? It's like as a man, the, the issue changes. Right? When I'm a boy, there's an issue, right? There are unmet needs. And hopefully my dad can identify that and take responsibility for that. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then the little boy is going to take it personally and he's going to put meaning to it. He's going to make his father's inability to show up emotionally and, and in the presence that he needs, he's going to make it mean something about him, the little boy. Yep. Yeah. So that meaning gets taken on. It gets embodied. And then until I get to a level of like intellect and maturity, that meaning that I put to it is going to be my operating system. Yeah. In all relationships I have, particularly with my father, but with men, with women, with the brotherhood, with all of that, right? So I think what I'm talking about is like the implication here of the father wound first. Um, and why it's valuable at the level of, you know, individual like healing and, and empowerment, but also in, in the collective and also in leadership as, you know, as a father, as a man in the community. So anyway, I got to, I got to realize what I made that mean about me, my dad's unavailability. Um, I got to reflect on how that shows up in my adult life. And then I need to figure out what, what are the needs that aren't met that I want my dad to fulfill, right? And then meet them myself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's that's very simply put. Like I relate so much to that. Like, you know, I'd notice, um, for example, I'd just put a, give an example when Evelyn would maybe leave the house and um, she may have not just said hello because maybe she was just preoccupied with whatever things were on her mind. And um, and I'd kind of sit there and go, she didn't say see her. God, once again, just another reason just to reconfirm that she doesn't love me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's that, the evidence. Yeah, there's the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think like one of the cool, um, this is actually from um, The Four Agreements, Never Make Assumptions by Don Miguel, yeah. Um, that was one of the big, big kind of game changes for me was like never make assumptions but but um but yeah what that brought me back to is very similar like a lot of the emotional needs that my mum didn't meet for me mm. and the emotional distancing yeah that I felt from her and so and so like yeah I think one of the big takeaways there is like um you know how we can kind of project or energize that into our relationships or into our present circumstances but it actually isn't really what's really going on. It's like a projection of the past. That's like controlling your life really. And, yeah. and fucking it up big time too. Yeah. yeah. Make, make some mess. Hey. Yeah. 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 And it's just funny. Like you say, it's like, I literally had the similar feeling then just bow was about to leave. And like, I was like, I want to kiss goodbye. Like I was like, you know, that, that, like that came up and I'm like, what's, you know, what, what is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just this programming that's in there. It's fucking, it's just insane. And uh, like, unless you bring it to the consciousness, you don't really question it. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. You just project it onto her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you mummify your, uh, your partner and who wants to fuck their son and who wants to fuck their mum? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point, mate. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a chapter in No More Mr. Nice Guy called, Nice guys are monogamous to their mothers. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, oh, like emotional oh. incest, you mean? Or like, uh, or like emotional... Uh, it, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's one way of putting it, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, here, here's, here's an analogy, um, a visual, that kind of exemplifies what's going on in our modern culture in in this like the dysfunction in relationships and so there's an image of a man with his family and they're in floodwaters and they're over here and then 10 meters up the creek his mum and dad are in the, the floodwaters and 
the man is throwing the life boy to his mum and dad and his family's drowning. Fuck. Right? And so this is what's going on because these parental wounds are going by unchecked. So unconsciously the identity is still that of the child and so the, like, um, loyalty and the, the what eventually becomes unhealthy attachment and connection to the parents um, creates, well, well, it's, it's a boy in a man's body trying to fucking run a family. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and then the family have to fucking cop the shit. You know, they, they, have, to, they have to pick that up. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. so funny. Like I've got situations that I think of with friends of mine where, you know, um, there's been a dispute between the family and the wife and they haven't backed the wife. Or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like haven't fiercely backed their woman and said, mm. and I'm like, that, that is the exact situation. Like you've, you've, yeah, just, yeah. you've, just, you've just saved them and just left, left your wife there. Like that's just not on. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. no. And, and it's like then what is it model to the kids? Yeah. And then there's that generational perpetuation of that, that fucking, you know, setup that just doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. It yeah. It doesn't work. But I feel like I've kind of like, not really hit your question <laughs> with the father stuff. Um, I, I, I can't. I, I wanted to jump in and give her like a, a um, an example with that though, just to integrate that yeah, for the yeah, listeners yeah. because, like, I think that's such a big point because something that I related to that was um, because I always felt so responsible for my uh, mother's emotional needs growing up because she was yeah. just like a child in adult's bodysuit, mm-hmm. where. Like where where that kind of carried through for me because I was still living from that place was like being responsible for my clients, yeah. and then the way that would separate me away from my family's needs, and I was highly addicted to like helping my clients and saving them, mm. and then like you said with like the the life boy kind of like analogy, you know Evelyn Miller over there, and you know maybe needing me, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, and so that's a, that's a shadow that I'm always like constantly moving through. I'm actually moving through a lot of it at the moment. Yeah. And, um, I feel, I feel I'm battling that too. Yeah. yeah. I've been battling that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, I thought I'd just integrate that just for listeners because oh, it, it just helps to add well, some, some story. <laughs> with it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, that was, that was one of the, the, like, uh, ickiest lessons i had to learn in my early days of coaching was exactly that and in particular with female clients i would go into rescuer and so i was attracting a certain kind of person Mm. inevitably through that that resonance and, and the roles that we dream each other into so rescuer victim um and not seeing that and actually getting something out of it. You know, there's a payoff to being the rescuer. It's validating. Mm. It's, it's it, you know, it gives me, uh, there's something that it gives me. There's something that, that, there's something that I get out of that. So not seeing the shadow aspect of that. There were a few instances where I was way too entangled in stories and crisis that weren't mine. And I was like, how the fuck am I so caught in this now? Like, and, and what got me out of it was fucking getting some support from my mentor that was like, Hey, this is what's going on. You need to step the fuck back, step out of that. It's not your, it's not your stuff. You need to come back to your professional boundaries and you need to fucking stand in them. But, um, same, but different. It's like, I've definitely, uh, had, yeah, what we're describing show up in my work and professional life, particularly in the first few years where, yeah, there was just so many unconscious aspects of me weaving into my business. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And how are you, and this is a big topic I think with men as well, how are you finding fatherhood, and running a business um, and even just, you know, and I want to relate this to all men who are working and just trying to find that balance. I talked to Geordie about this. We, we, we each chat about this a lot and I just say, oh, I feel that as men, 
we can hide behind work instead of and because I think being a father and our husband is tough um, and sometimes, you know, we may not feel like we're, we're um, up to scratch so we just we hide rather than going through the storm sometimes. So I, I've actually said to my wife once, I'm like, sometimes if she wasn't, because we work from home, if she wasn't at home and Leo wasn't home, I could work for hours and hours on end, but they ground me and, and it bring me back to where I'm meant to be because my passion, my real passion is making sure that I'm a really good father and husband. Yeah. Mm. That's my number one thing and I'll always keep coming back to that day in, day out in saying that. That doesn't mean I don't get pulled away sometimes mm. and I lose my priorities sometimes. But I just want to know your thoughts on how you've found it and, mm. and you know, have any thoughts on that? Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking hating it at the moment because uh, <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's good. just the truth, bro. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I tip the other way. So I, I end up spending... Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours extra in fathering and my business then suffers and then I get discombobulated and then I have to like catch up and then so it turns into late nights and then it cascades into this like what the fuck's going on? Um, I've got brain fog now because I'm just, just you know, hormonally just fully out of whack and, and um, I'm finding I avoid work. Yeah, right. avoid the family. I avoid work through the thing huh. and just overindulge in fatherhood, which isn't isn't ideal. It's not ideal. Like it, it, it impacts them differently. Yeah, you know what I mean. I would you would you say like it, it sort of can drive you into the feminine a lot more in that sense? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Def- definitely. There's there's more of a. Um, La 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 la. Like, ah, oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, and then off like mission. They're asleep, and I'm like, oh fuck, I have <laughs> so much to do. Like, back into that that structure, that that um, pragmatic kind of energy. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a late one. Yeah, wow. Which is which is yeah, like like it is what it is. But I certainly need to acknowledge and own where I'm like, I need. What's missing is structure and actually I think this is worth saying um, what is required and this has actually come up this week after some reflections from from an elder in my community is I need to like reconnect uh, with my partner and just create collaborative clarity. Mm. Okay, where are we at and where are we headed? And since my daughter was born six months ago, um not no none of us have done this before you know like three kids you know two and 17 year old two and a half year old and a now a six month old um it it has just swept us up in its magic and also in its um just it's intense it's totally fucking intense mm. and so what was reflected back to me this was actually on tuesdays like hey who's like driving the ship here and where are you headed and are you both on board or is you know your partner heading that way and you're heading that way so um Mm. i think it is definitely the responsibility of me to find this this equilibrium of like running a business and being a present father and i also think it's my responsibility to bring leadership into the relationship and to make sure that we are on the same page. We do hold the same vision um, and that we are stacking those priorities, as you say, mm. in a functional order. Yeah. Mm. It's, it, it's a good one. Like obviously we, we do sim- we've got similar businesses we're working online, but for the people out there who maybe nine to five workers and stuff like that, we need to be, you know, like we've talked about integrity, like and mm. finishing and uh, finishing and making sure you've got time for your family and mm. not distracting yourself when you get home. Yeah. Um, I think that's an extremely important thing. Maybe if it's your weekends, making sure that like you actually, and you just talked about it, making sure we've got structure. It's like, hang on a second, every Saturday morning, it's me and the kids. Yeah. Even if it's not with mum, like oh, I've got to be a dad and be, you know, if let mum go do her thing because she's been, you know, with the kids all day and I'm going to be a father and I'm going to learn in the deep end for the next five hours rather than because I've even found sometimes 
and Nick, you're probably actually really good at it because you've been prioritizing family more. But like, unless you actually father by yourself, you sometimes just shift the, even when you're there, you sort of just shift your responsibility over to your partner. I don't know if you've noticed yeah, that. Do you know yeah, that, I, Yeah, I, I, yeah it's like, they call it default parenting, don't they? Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah, if that's the yeah, name for like, it. Yeah, like, like where one of the parents does uh, holds the most responsibility and, yeah, it's something that everyone always like, I'm the default parent. Yeah. <laughs> there always, like, yeah, there always is one, but yeah. then like, oh, I just think as fathers. Yeah. Like we, you know, obviously Nick's is a little bit opposite. He needs to be like, like you know, get on mission more. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the guys who who don't have that opportunity to be able to yeah. think like that, they're just going to work. So most of the time they're hiding from fatherhood. Mm. And then like um, it's about like I, th- I think the, the biggest thing you that you said is structure. Like, all right, mm. the weekends I'm, I'm with my kids from this time till this time and there's non-negotiable. Yeah. It's a dentist appointment. Yeah. It's a root canal appointment is, yeah. is how I describe it. Well, we don't, like, do we don't do root canal. We don't do root canal. It's a fucking, I don't know, a fucking peppermint essential oil squirt. Um, um, but, but when it comes to the family time, it's like if you, if you had a toothache and a dentist appointment, you'd move heaven and earth and you'd be there. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's the same with date night with your partner and it's the same yeah. with those appointments with your kids. Yeah. And and it, it needs to be not fit in on the fly. It's like structure scheduled. Like we yeah. wake up and it's, you know, 7.30 and this is what we do and, and this is the plan and blah. And um, because then there's the integrity and the accountability. With, with it just doing it on the fly, you can't actually be held to anything. And before yeah. you know it, eight months has passed and it's like, shit, you know what? I really haven't been present. Like my little mm. one's fucking crawling. When when did she even, mm. you know, when did she even roll onto her back first? No know? doubt. But it, the thing, that, sorry, man. I was just going to say, I was going to like jump in. And I think it's the re- recipe for, for the feminine just to feel unsafe when the masculine isn't tending the space. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it's, if you, if you're kind of not there, well, fuck, like. They're wondering where are we going? Where's the ship going here? Yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck's happening? Man. And that's the way women think. It's a very good like point. When, when men aren't present in that way, yeah, they're just fucking like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, it's it's, yeah. it's I think it, that kind of speaks to the boy being in the driver's seat again. Yeah, yeah you know, the boy's like la la la, la floating around. And it's yeah, like the other thing that sort of is there for me. Um, one other way of looking at what you're describing. Um, with not being present with the family or default parenting or whatever that is, is if we looked at it like archetypically, looking at those masculine archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover. And so the it's like the doer in you and me is, is that warrior energy. And the thing with that is, let's say it is someone who has, you know, like a, a nine to five setup and, that's the place that they're in. That's the energy they're having to embody and fuck yeah, good because it gets the job done. Nothing wrong with that. But if we're not conscious to that and we come home and we haven't done our little ritual or practice to bring us back to our center, right, and then made the choice to step into the lover energy, mm-hmm. then we rock up home still in that do a do a do a do and it's going to drive partner's mad because they just want us to be like just fucking stop and just listen to me and just ask how my day is right but we're not there um and same with the kids it's like half playing but putting stuff away and undoing the dish it's like the do 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 so i think what helps uh put these sort of boundaries in place and you know it's like supporting yourself to to show up the way you want to show up is it's like have a thing that you do when you come home and you, you know, drive halfway around the block and there's that park that's near your house and there's that tree that you sit under every time and then there's the 10 breath ritual that you do and that brings you into your center so you can regulate and you can calibrate and you can just check in with whatever's alive in you, like what are the unmet needs that you have, how can you um, plan to, to meet those needs when it's appropriate and then it's set the intention, I'm coming into my lover, which means I'm present in my feeling body and there's nothing to do. Mm. And then walk in the door, then go greet your partner, then go chill with the kids. Yeah. 
because one of the defaults that I've, I've I went into with with like um, unmet needs myself would be what what can I get from Evelyn to meet those needs? Yeah, yeah. And that's obviously the boy the boy in me. And so something I've been working on recently is like how can I nourish myself from the feminine? Yeah, cool. Without having to go to Evelyn. And what I mean by the feminine, I'm talking about like nature, like oh yeah, like a like a spiritual nature connection. Something I've been going going through with Jacob, and and actually nourishing myself in that way. Mm. Whether it's surfing, whether it's just laying and grounding on the soil and feeling like Mother Earth is giving me a hug. Mm. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I do. I hear man. Yeah. Without having you know, and and so. Some needs like, yeah, people are like, oh, I need to, you know, go to the gym or make a meal for myself and those sort of things. But I think we can also nourish ourselves in certain ways where we don't have to put it on the partner as well. Because I think as men, sometimes we do want that nourishment from the feminine. Yeah. And whether that is the little boy's unmet needs, some, you know, you, you don't want to be putting that responsibility on your, on your, on your woman. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because it, it's, it's needy and that has mm. like a, a repelling energy. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it's it's like it yeah it's like oh like what do you want now there's this sort of withdrawal that coincides with the i need something from you classic anxious avoidant it's, yeah attachment yeah. totally mm. and there's there's like a harvesting aspect to that it's like oh let me just <laughs> let me just get some of that life force out of you yeah cheers yeah. cheers yeah. um so yeah can we can we build our own life force with that connection to the, to the feminine nature. Oh man, I'm totally vibing what you're saying. I think I think it's um, it will forever be underrated because it is infinite in its power. It's a wellspring of of vitality that we can plug into at any time, and it really invites us into that um, like that sacred relationship mm. with that divine feminine, with that fucking um, to be held in the hands of the mother, mm. Mother Earth. Mm. God, that feels good. Yeah, that really feels incredible. Oh, and I like, and I feel like if you have that that thing that can center you, because um, like when you come in to your wife and your kid, and Leo makes me make sure that I'm present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes sure <laughs> that I'm present. So if if you walk in, you want to be distracted. He fucking screams at me, and he's that excited to see daddy. Like because I've been in the office for hours, he's that excited to see me, and. I'm telling you now, if you want your kid to stop screaming, actually pay them attention and be present. Yep. The only reason they're screaming is because you're not present mm-hmm. and they know it. <laughs> mm. So my point there was if you can come in like centered, like in the right headspace, give your wife a kiss, move to your kids and be present with them for 30 minutes, I'm telling you now that household will feel so good yep. for the rest of the night. Yeah. 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 If you, if you shift that energy in yourself, like we we're talking about before, like, like the, 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 the actual resonance, like is so different in terms of the way the household definitely feels, but ultimately as well, even how more relaxed or centered your woman's going to be. Cause I, I feel that Evelyn, uh, you know, Evelyn's energy is only a reflection of often my energy a lot mm-hmm. of the time, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, mm-hmm. maybe not all the time, but a lot of the time. But if I can, if she's overwhelmed and it's her energy, but I'm centered, she'll resonate into that centered energy because I'll lead her through that. That co-regulation. Yeah. yeah fully. So Definitely. that's something that I've been, that's been really landing super hard with me recently that I've been noticing huge shifts Yeah, in, in the way we're able to, yeah, co-regulate if you want to call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. imagine, it's like imagine sitting on a bus and then, you know, the bus driver's running late and they finally get on and they're like like huffing and puffing and freaking out and they're like shit-faced and yeah, like, you know, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, what the, f-? like, <laughs> you're, like, you're, you're not driving, you're not leading, like, this is hectic, like, I'm going to have to fucking drive. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, <laughs> you know. That is classic for women, isn't it, with, with men who aren't centred and all Yeah, the they shop. have to yeah. then step into the drive, you know, sit in the drive seat. And mm. I think, I think it's, um, yeah. <laughs> George just put his that, hand up. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> and and the other the other part to that is um like you're both in the front. You you're both up the front. And it's like if you were doing a big road trip, you'd you'd swap who's driving. You know, it's not like I'm driving and you fucking sit there and you know 
that's all you do. It's it's the the leadership in the house is is shared, but who like sort of who holds it? Um, who holds the burden of it? It's it's I find most functional when it's us, when it's the men that were holding the burden. And then when life happens and the curveballs come and I get taken out for whatever reason, my partner's there because I put it, you know, because I prioritized her and I didn't throw her up the back and make all these other things more important than her. And mm. So she's there and so she gets to step in and, and we, you know, we do that together. Um, mm. I think that's the, there's longevity in that. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I feel like that's where a lot of um, relationships kind of, um, they separate, don't they? When we fall into these trauma bonds and, you know, I find if men really struggle to stand up into those kind of like break through their own patterns, their own inner boyish kind of things, which yeah. is kind of where, where it's, you know, where um, we've been led in recent times or in the past, my relationship with Ev is, I had to really break through a lot of that because otherwise, yeah, the, the dynamic wasn't healthy. You know, it was heading south. Yeah, so. yeah, it just can't last. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it can't last. It's it's too exhausting. Mm. So. Mm. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having that's you been, on the show. That's been what? Six minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Did we just warm up? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could talk That's all day. Oh, I know, I know. We could, I, I could go on to topics after topics, but uh, uh, Nick's got an acupuncture appointment, hey? Indeed, filling the cup. Yes. And to be honest, I don't know what the bloody time is. <laughs> yeah, I've got no idea. <laughs> a little bit aware. I'm like, um, your appointment might be soon. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, it's probably three in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I've pissed my pants. <laughs> so good, but mate, um, so good to have you on here. Like, I knew that was going to be just an awesome jam, and I'm like sitting yeah. here, I'm like far out. I could just keep rolling off topic after topic. Yeah. Um, so I really want to have you back in. If you'd be happy to come back in and jam more, man. 100%. Um, We'll block out an afternoon. We'll do like a Joe Rogan four-hour special or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll bring the weed. (laughs) Oh, man, we didn't didn't even get into all like the, I don't know, all the mass production of food, all the tinfoil hat sort of stuff. I know know we were were jamming on that. Yeah, yeah. We were jamming on that like at the the course that we filmed. Yeah. Yeah. So Okay. I'll bring that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nick's got all all the awareness on that stuff. Oh. <laughs> listening to you right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, through the road yeah, 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 microphones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, hey, Nick, Ray. for coming. We'll um, we'll see you next time. Giddy up. You. Thanks for listening. We hope this opened your mind to new possibilities in your journey. If you want to follow on for more, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Life Athlete Health and at Coach Jordan Briggs. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you next time.